Blog Talk Radio. Piper'sburg coming to you live and direct from beautiful Belize City. And um, again, I'll be continuing my conversation with Barna Derek Eichmann, and we will be discussing his involvement in party politics and also his, in his transformation, if you will, on his spiritual journey and um, to where he as to where he came from, to where he's going, and to where he's ended up. And oftentimes, it's not, how, um, it's not how you start the journey. It's how you finish the journey. is a very unique gentleman in the sense that um, he was one of those people who got to serve. Excuse me, uh, 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 Hubert, I, I have been trying not to, I've been trying not to interrupt you, Hubert, but I need to do it because the connection is is terrible. I'm not hearing what you're saying. Um, I know you're there because every now and then I hear a, a piece of your voice, but 
I'm not making out anything you're saying at all. Um, I don't know if you want to try the call again to see if no, it would no, be no. a better option. Okay, okay. Hang on. I'm still not hearing you, Hubert. Not hearing you at all. We'll work it out. Once again, I'm coming. I'm coming. Hello. Live on Violet from Belize. Yes, Derek. All right, great, Derek. Derek, good. Can you hear me now, Derek? Yes, I'm hearing you a lot better, Hubert. Great, great. I'm so happy that. Let's. You know, I'm in Belize, so you know the technical difficulty. But hey, I mean, thank God we're able to work it out and be good. I want to greet everyone in the name of peace, which is you know the universal greetings of all the prophets from. And they all said peace, and we're still looking for that universal peace that the world can't seem to give. And um, I, uh, I will not, without any further ado, me and Derek, going to start a conversation. Last week, Derek, we broke off by where you, we were going we to discuss your bankruptcy and all the, the details surrounding that. Now, I'm going to give you every opportunity to tell us exactly, without interruption, 
what went down. If I have any questions, I'll dip in and, you know, and if, uh, as you go along. But I'll try not to interrupt you so you can just tell that story. Is, is that fair enough? Oh, that, that's, that's fine. Uh, just on another note, Hubert, I, I still, there's still a little bit of um, disruption on the line. I, it's not very, very clear, but I'm going to try to see how it, it works. If, just tell me if at any time you uh, cease to hear me at your end, and of course, because I'm going to be doing most of the talking at the beginning anyway, I, I won't know if there's a failure in the in the communication unless you tell me. Um, I'll be quick to tell you if it's poor at my end and if I'm not hearing you properly. Okay, is that is, is that okay? That's fair enough. I'm hearing you loud and clear right now. Though. I mean, I'm hearing okay. You well, so yeah. I'm not hearing you that well, but if you're hearing me, then let's let's make a go of it. Um, first of all, good morning, uh, Belizeans, wherever you are, at home or abroad. It's it's <clears throat> it's another privilege. And, and an honor to have this conversation again with you uh, in your homes or wherever you are. Um, as Hubert said last week, I believe we, we kind of broke off just when we were dealing with the Maritime Areas Bill and the expulsion from the party and um, the beginnings of neighbor by Mr. Golson. And I believe we went right up to the point where Mr. Golson was promised um, that the Maritime Areas Bill would have been repealed if he agreed to a coalition run along with the UDP in the snap elections of, of 93. And, of course, history will, will now dictate that the, the coalition won a very narrow majority, but, of course, the promise that was made, as I had warned Mr. Golson, the promise to repeal the Maritime Areas Bill was was never honored, and that is still law on the books. Mr. Bose is now dead and gone. So I assume those who brokered that deal and who made that promise had no intentions then, have no intentions now. And unless some other, through some other means, through some other effort uh, of, of people's, people's power, I really feel that the Maritime Areas Bill will remain with us for all time, which to me is very, very, very sad. Um, anyway, coming out of the entire debacle over the Maritime Areas Bill, I believe, ushers in a chapter of, of, of my political life that I was certainly not prepared for, I was not ready for. Um, and to be quite honest with you, um, I believe in many aspects I was naive looking back at, at, at things, but when you operate when you operate in a system that you put your faith in and your trust in, um, I mean it is supposedly the most ought to be the most honorable. They, they call us honorable when you get elected. So I assume the honorable stood or should stand for something that the landscape in which you perform or you operate is an honorable landscape. Um, so, so while mm -hmm. I, I have had to admit, while I've had to admit to many that maybe there was certainly a degree of naivety on my part, I, I still hold to the to the fact that you know you just don't expect the moral conduct at the highest level of the leadership of a nation because if 
if the leadership of the nation is involved in immoral and unethical conduct, well then so will the nation be. So 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 will the nation exist in unethical existence and, and immoral existence and, and so we can't we can't expect to do one thing with our right hand and expect a different result on our left hand when we are in leadership. So having said that, um Derek, Derek yes. before you go for clear it up a bit because I think some people when you talk about moral leadership versus say unethical leadership, people really think that you're talking about some sort of a uh, Union of the Church and State, and I want you oh, to no, no, clarify no. Oh. what you mean by that. Oh no, 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 Hubert, I, no, no, please, 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 please. And maybe that was the wrong choice of words. I'd be the first of it. No, no, I'm talking here about people. Have, I mean, all of us, all of us, whether in school, on our jobs, in our homes, in the, you know, wherever we are, and that a human being should be guided by some pattern of, of, of ethical conduct. I mean, we, there, there, there are certain principles, if we are respectable human beings, that should guide our activities and, and our performances, void of anything to do with religion and church. I, I'm not talking about that here. I'm, I'm saying that oftentimes, maybe this is the best way that I can explain what I was alluding to just now. We often hear, we often hear this comment that nothing is wrong with the system in Belize. The system and the laws on, on the record are fine. What is the problem are those who are in leadership that execute those laws or the way they, they implement those laws or the lack thereof. So all I'm saying here is that I thought that, that the laws that are on the books, the, the provisions of the Constitution, will always be upheld by those in leadership over beliefs. But clearly, in, my, in this particular case that I'm about to, to demonstrate to Belizeans, I mean, there was the breach of the highest, at the highest level of our constitutional rights in the country and of our ethical, our ethical conduct. So, so please, I'm not talking here about anything with religion or church. So I, I hope... I've been able to clarify that you were, do you think I, I have? Yes, I, I believe you have. I, the only reason why I say that is oh. because, you know, um, you know we, we are a secular democracy for the most part, but we, that doesn't mean that we should uh, for, uh, you know, just absolve ourselves from, from any kind of religious or divinity, but it's just that yeah. when it relates to our leadership, we pray that they do the right thing, and I just want right. you to clear it up, you know, in, in what you mean by that yeah. you did. Yeah, okay, all right, good. Now, and, and, um, and, and Hubert, again, please, I want you to know, and I don't want you to get nervous, but I am not really hearing you clearly at all. Your, your voice is chopped up, chopped up. I'm trying to fit the pieces together to kind of connect what, you, what I think you must be saying. But that's okay. If you are able to hear me clearly, then let's, let's proceed now. Mm-hmm. You just keep talking. Everybody can hear you. I'm in oh, Belize, so I, oh, I, I'm, I'm assuming oh. it's because of the, you know, the the, the, uh, the, the connection problems I'm having right. down here, okay. the technical difficulties. But uh, that shouldn't stop us from being able to to uh, to to articulate okay. our, great, know, great. our discussion. You know what I mean? Okay, that's fine. I, as long as as long as you are able to hear me better than I'm hearing you, then that's that, that, that's good. Um, so so we proceed now to the next phase in this in this. Um, 
saga, for want of a, of a better term. Um, it's 19, the 90, somewhere around 92, 91, 92, somewhere in, in, in there. When the Maritime Areas Bill is, is passed and the opposition to it obviously has been stifled and, and, and strangled and, and those both in the UDP and the PUP leadership. And let me remind, let me remind Belizeans that we never are able to unite politically on issues. You know, if, if you think very clearly, there are so many instances, for example, like yeah. independence, when we should have gotten independence, mm-hmm. when the whole issue of the heads of agreement, you, 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 whenever it has been fundamentally critical as a nation for there to be real, true, bipartisan support on things, it never, ever happens. But notice on the Maritime Areas Bill, you had Mr. Price, who was at that time the leader, was the Prime Minister, having been re-elected to office in 1989. Mr. Price and Steve Musa went went to every district in Belize, toward the countryside, side by side with Manuel Esquivel and Dean Barrow promoting and pushing mm-hmm. and selling the Maritime Areas Bill. Now, this is, that feat has been unprecedented, and it has never been repeated as far as my limited political... Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm only 54 years old, so maybe before my time, something like that happened, but I know certainly since my time, I have never seen that kind of camaraderie ever, ever between the leaderships of the PUP and the UDP. And this is, this is at the time... When I remember, and I think I may have said this already last week, and if I have, please forgive me for repeating it, but I find it significant because I told the Prime Minister or the party leader at the time, Mr. Esquivel, that I don't know about any other representative, but I am telling you, sir, I will take it upon myself to go house to house in the Freetown Division to ask the voters of Freetown what is it they want me to do on the Maritime Areas Bill? And I told them, I told them, if I poll the constituency and, they, and the majority tells me that they want to support that bill, I will go to the National Assembly and do exactly what the Voters of Freedom has instructed, have instructed me to do, because they are who I represent. No, I told him that if I am forced by voters' dictate in freedom to support the bill, I will go and vote for it in the House, but I will take up an individual stand to record that while I vote for the voters that I support it, I want to go on record to say that as an individual, I don't think this thing is good for me, and I, as Gary Hickman, doesn't support it. And Mr. Hickman's response to me was, when I brought back the results of the, of the polling that I took, where 93% said no to the Maritime Areas Bill from Freedom Division. He said to me like this, he said, well, there, that's because you went about it the wrong way. And I said, how do you mean I went about it the wrong way? He said, because you are not supposed to go and ask them what they want. You are supposed to go and convince them, convince them and sell to them the fact that they must support the bill and that they ought to support the bill. I tell you. So I said, but Mr. Iskivel, do you respect you, sir? Wait, That's not a poll. Wait, he told, that he, is not a poll. He told you that. I went to, yes, yes. to find out what was the free will thinking of the free tongue voters. I was on no mission 
to go sell no bill to them, especially a bill that I don't support. So I, I say that to mm-hmm. say that I could only interpret then that his presence along with this, along with Mr. Barrow, <laughs> next side by side, platform to platform, district to district, with Said and, and Mr. Price, was just that, to sell the bill. Um, and anyway, so here we are now. <clears throat> I, I am engaged at the same time of this passage of this bill, etc., etc., mm-hmm. and in, in the height of my opposition to it as part of Mr. Bolson's neighbor, um, as fledgling as that was, because, you know, we, we had no money. Mr. Philip was here. It was just Derek, four of us. Derek, 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 one second. Let me just, can you hear me? I'm going to say this. So, that's the same thing that they're doing with the ICJ. Just keep going, but I just want to throw that in there. Yes. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, okay, but here we go now. So, so here let's let's we, we've got to kind of take off one hat, and I have to put on a completely different hat, and then you'll see how the two will merge together in in, in a okay. very go ahead, go crafty, ahead, mm-hmm. um, shameful shameful way. You know? but anyway, so here I am in opposition, um, having to make my own decisions as to what do I do with my life. I have always maintained, as minister, and especially as Minister of Tourism, I saw, I was the one as Minister of Tourism, and this is not boasting, it's just the truth, was the one that crafted the tourism policy for the most part that Belize still adheres to now. The whole ecotourism thing, the, the mm-hmm. setting of standards that we don't want no high-rise, we want at maybe three, three to four stories should be the highest structures in industry. We want to stick to your more such house type uh, um, accommodations. Mm-hmm. All those fundamental because you have to remember, you know, prior to 1984, you had a tourist board under the George Price government of all those years prior to 84. You had a tourism ministry, yes, in name only. You really had just a tourist board. There was no national tourism plan. Because Mr. Price openly said he didn't, he didn't support tourism for Belize because that would make Belizeans yeah. a country of servants. So when we took office in 1984, yes, when we took office in 1984, there was no tourism policy. And I had to get in there and in the limited time that I had, begin to get things together and, and, and begin to, you know, market Belize. As a, 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 but first we had to... We had to come to grips with the fact that we have a nation that is blessed with great, abundant resource and beauty and natural wealth, and that there is nothing wrong at all if we market that wealth and our country with its sober, futuristic, analytical thinking to preserve the resource that we've got, and like so many around the world do, and at the same time, make money out of it. God knows Belize needs every foreign exchange it can earn, and tourism was a ready base for that. So, but in that process, in setting up that process, and working with the BTA and, the, and, and, the, uh, and all the people in, in, in the tourism sector, in the hoteliers, etc., etc., forming all the different associations, which did not exist prior to 1984, it became clear to me, especially having a background uh, in airline management. I was, the, I was the country manager for Air Florida for five years while they were in Belize. I, I understood 
that believe, and this is still Belize's problem today. I, I want to make this abundantly clear. For those of you who want Belize to, to fully, fully maximize its tourism potential, I am telling you today that it will never do it. It will never actualize its fullest potential until and unless Belize gets its own national airlines. And it is the, the, the basis of this is rather simple. Every airline that flies into Belize is owned, more, all of whom are American owned, um, I believe except for Parker that is owned by Salvador now. Back in those days you had Tanzata, you had all different kinds. But all these airlines are flying into Belize as a product of the airline marketing strategy, not as a result of a strategy that will market Belize. I want you, I want you to understand. This. Let's take let's take United or former Continental, where my wife managed it for 20 years until we got rid of her because of wanting to get to me. And that's another story for another time. Mm-hmm. No. Um, Continentals will increase its frequency or it will decrease its frequency. It will change its times based on what will suit Continental's system. No. So that's what they will put in place to serve Belize. No. Belize just have to hope that, that whatever they put in place to serve Belize is, is conducive is conducive to promoting Belize as a destination and facilitating traffic into the country. And that's the same situation with every airline. But because Belize does not have its own airline, Belize cannot say, well, guess what? We have all this traffic from Europe that wants to come to Belize, but having to overnight at this leg and that leg, and so because Belize, for example, not have a night flight. We continue to not to be we continue not to be able to reap the benefits of a lot of traffic. Belize could double its traffic immediately to tourism if Belize had night flights operating out of Miami, Houston and these places to connect with the massive European carriers that want to bring people into this region. But Mexico is, 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 is benefiting from it. Guatemala, Honduras, South Carolina, all these other places, Jamaica, Trinidad, Barbados, they are all benefiting from it. Why? Because they have their own carriers that can put schedules in place to link up with the kind of network that will usher the vast flow and influx of tourists. But Belize up to now cannot do that. Our flights are all, and we all know this, they're concentrated around 10 o'clock in the morning, arriving, I mean, leaving Belize. Then the airport is practically, you know, kind of half shut down till in the afternoon when a certain block they come in. And then we shut it down at night. Six o'clock, it's shut down and doesn't operate again till the next morning. Let me tell you, if we could only work that runway at that airport 4-7, we wouldn't have places to put people, the tourists in Belize. But short-sightedness of the government a lack of vision and a lack of boldness by the government because it, it takes guts to say that you're going to put your own airline together. But, and maybe I am too brave or maybe I'm ahead of my time, but I've been convinced that this is what the country needed and wanting to try to help you, I set about singly, 
single. I went to investors to try to get them to come in with me. Nobody would. Derek, you started, and if it works, then we are coming. Well, why would I want you to come in after it works? You know. So I set about starting an airline on my own without another person in that country. Got it set up in Miami, got it set up in Belize, got the thing, got it running, and took out a loan at the Belize Bank. And the loan was, mm-hmm. and I want people to follow. I want people to follow this path because you will see how the unscrupulousness of all those people concerned. I took out a loan. I am not a rich man. Have never been rich. Probably will never be rich because I give away too much to be rich. Whatever I have, I give away. And that might be stupid, but that's the kind of person God programmed me to be. I can't have somebody come to me and say they want because even if I don't have it, I will go and find it for them if I don't have it. So I had to go to get somebody to help me to get this loan for $250,000 at the Belize Bank. $250,000 Belize dollars. And I dare... I is dare a person, it's a personal loan, is No, no, no. It's a but it was a personal loan. loan. It was a personal loan, but it was guaranteed by a co-signer. I could not get it on my own. I never have that kind of collateral. Nothing like that, sir. But somebody who is very, very close to me, um, and I would rather, unless I am really pushed to disclosing, and people know already, it's not a secret, but I have not consulted with the individual, so I wouldn't want to just call the person's name without having consulted them, but somebody signed singly, singly. This person's signature was accepted singly to guarantee the 250000 dollars. I want to stress that because I know a lot of people out there think, well, when you get all the money from the start of airline, because trust me something, and I want to tell you this, you can look and study and analyze any other startup of a career that was equitable to mine. Clearly, if it's a small operation, Derek, then it would... Derek, Derek, one question, though. Were you still a, you yes. were, you, you were still a, you were the minister of tourism at the time, still, correct, when you were doing this? Oh, no, 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 no. Let's get... I'm glad you're bringing that up. I was not... Okay. Let's clear that up. Yes. No, I, no, no. Remember, no, this is yeah. 1991, somewhere in 1992. We were... I was re-elected mm-hmm. in Freetown. Out but of the party, mm-hmm. But the party mm-hmm. was in opposition. So I was just a representative in the House representing the voters of Freetown. But I had no ministerial um, responsibilities or assignments at all. We were in opposition. All right. Mm-hmm. So that is that mm-hmm. clear? Mm-hmm. I, I'm just I'm just telling you that yes, yes. it was my it was my experience as Minister of Tourism in the eighty four to eighty nine cabinet that gave me the kind of insight oh, okay. and understanding into the marketing restraints that Belize was trapped by because it didn't have its own airline that gave me the vision mm-hmm. to want to start an airline mm-hmm. in Belize so that we could then decide when we apply, where we apply from. And, and then connect with the loads that are out there wanting to come to Belize, but no one come because they, they know all the stops that they have to make. They want a direct connection where they can make it from Europe to Belize in the same day is really what they, they, they want. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so having cleared it up, so I go, I get the loan, $250,000 Belize dollars. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, with that $250,000 loan in, in the airline world, let me tell you something, that's a penny party, that's the penny party money in the airline world. You hear mm-hmm. what I'm telling you? Startup of airlines, the mm-hmm. kind that I started, require millions and millions and millions of dollars. The only reason I was able to 
start it up with such a small seed, if you want to call it. It's just almost like a mustard seed. Why? Because I still had good connections with the people who I worked with, well, who were my bosses anyway in Miami when I was country manager mm-hmm. for Air Florida. For Air Florida, I was able to go to them. I didn't have to invent, reinvent a lot of the wheels. They, they guided me as far as even getting the license from Washington. Um, and basically what I did, I entered into what is called a wet lease agreement where you pay a company, in this case it was Haiti Transair, for what is called an ACMI. You, you pay for the airline, the crew, the maintenance, and the insurance. You pay one fee, and they provide all of that for you. Um, so you don't have the, 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 the grown startup costs if you're starting up from scratch. That's the only reason I was able to do it with that little bit of money. No. So the airline is operating. Um, the, loan, the loan that I got was for 10 years. The $250,000 was a 10-year loan. Um, and I was six months into the loan, six months into the operation, paying my monthly payment to the bank. Again, I don't want to call this person's name, but there is an employee, a former employee of Royal Bank, turned into Belize Bank, who is a very, very dear and personal close friend of mine, who, because it was convenient for me, give her every month the payment to the bank so she could just deposit it in, in, into the account. So I, I simply say that to say that anybody who wants to challenge that the, the payments are not being made, I have somebody who was making the deposit at the bank, an employee at the bank, mm-hmm. that can verify that not a payment was ever missed at the Belize Bank on this loan. Okay? Now, let's jump now to the Maritime Areas Bill and the fact that now the UDP and the PUP are angry with me because I am refusing mm-hmm. to support this bill. They, Mr. Golson is not supporting it, but they don't expel Mr. Golson from the party. They expel Derek Aikman from the party. Um, they expel, mm-hmm. they expel um, BQ Pitts from the party, but BQ Pitts is not an elected representative at the time. They expel Hubert Ellington from the party, but even Hubert was not at the time an elected representative. He lost the elections in 1989. So the only person that was expelled... Um, did Sam Raven? No, Sam wasn't expelled. I think Sam walked off for that because Sam was, Sam was re-elected, so he was a member of the House, but they didn't expel Sam. Sam walked off the island with Mr. Golson in protest, but I, Derek Aitman, was the only elected member at the time serving on the side of the House with the UDP that the UDP party that the, UD, that the UDP party expelled from the party, okay? No, they expelled me from the party, but I still remain a member of the House of Representatives. When we went to House meetings, the UDP sat on the same side, they sat to the front, but I sat singly by myself in the back because I was no longer UDP. They had expelled me, okay? No. But expelling me from the party obviously was not good enough. I guess they feared the fact that the, the, the fire and brimstone, for want of a better expression, behind neighbor with a failing health, Mr. Golson, was this 
was very different. And, and ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, I have just been created the type of person that will put my all into anything that I do. If, if I had to cut the grass, you can be the best lawn on the block. If I had to cook the food, you can be the nicest food you ever had. If I want paint, if I, whatever mm-hmm. I do, I just, I am driven by excellence. And to be honest with you, the drive for excellence is really from my biblical perspective because the Bible tells you whatever you do in this life, whatever you do, you are to do it as though you're doing it unto God. And that really has been my philosophy from a child, from Grace Chapel, when Gloria Edwards as principal instilled Christian principles in, into her students at that school. She instilled that you must be the best that you can be for God. That's why we have never lost. We never lost a choir, festival, yet, yet, yet. Grace Chapel, in my day, never lost a festival of arts in singing yet. You know why? Because that principal and that choir director made up, he, he brings Shark Isle to school to it. He brings Pat Liver Isle to school to it. He put it on because we had to be excellent. So I came, I came out of Grace Chapel always striving for excellence. So I think they've figured mm-hmm. that, guess what? The only one we really have to worry about in our neighbor cross, that one never one broke all, all limits to get things done. So guess what? We don't excel off on the party, but that's not good enough. We need to get him out of the House of Representatives. Now, and I won't call the person's name either at this point. Who, who was the first person, you know? There's a gentleman that used to work for me at the airline, the news transfer, as it was called. And one day this individual came to me and said, Derek, at the cocktail, right where the office was right on Albert Street. I said, sure. So we went into my office. He said, Derek, I want to warn you about something. He said, what do you know about the bankruptcy laws of Belize? I said, what do you mean the bankruptcy laws of Belize? He said, yeah, you, but I said, well, I don't really, I, I, the only thing I know is bankruptcy is something that somebody files or a company files if they're having trouble in meeting their obligations. Continental, where my wife worked, in, in the 20 years she was there, filed for bankruptcy mm-hmm. three times. They call it Chapter 11. Mm-hmm. Filed for Chapter 11 three times. Mm-hmm. To, and, and then came back stronger than they were before because they were able to get their finances together and work out arrangements with their creditors. So I thought, I thought mm-hmm. this is what this individual was talking about. So I, then he said to me like this, are you aware that if you're declared a bankrupt, you cannot be a member of the house? <laughs> and I, I looked at the person and said, where are, you, where are you going with this? Where are you going with this? Talk to me, talk to me. And I will tell you what he told me. And I, I don't mean to embarrass anybody here. But he said, well, I've got a friend. I have got a friend that works at Barrow and Williams Law Firm. And Derek, I just want to warn you that just be careful. Just be careful. And I said, but what are you telling me? He said, just be careful. And that is all the person said to me. And that person continued working for me at the airline until we were forced we were forced to close close the airline down. Anyway, so long story short now, the mutterings of that individual begins to get more and more it begins to reach my air more and more. And then one day 
Suddenly. It was a conspiracy of One day suddenly. Mm-hmm. Are you there in the first? Yes, yes, I'm here, I'm here. Okay, good. Yes, so I'm, one here. Day, I'm here, brother. One day, one day suddenly, I received a demand letter from Belize Bank as president and owner of Belize Transair telling me that I got the letter on a Thursday. And if my memory serves me right, I was given five days it was the Thursday, the Friday, the Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday. Five working days, the letter stated, that they were cl- calling in the loan. And I had five days to pay the loan off in its totality. Uh, or else, or else, or else. Here's the first time I'm going to hear the word, or else we will declare you bankrupt. <clears throat> now, initially, and this is where the naivety came in, I'll be honest with you. Initially, I laughed at the letter because, first of all, if I could have come up with $250,000 in five days or in six months or in a year, Hubert, I wouldn't have had to go take a loan out at the Belize Bank. So, expecting... Mm-hmm. You, you, you are going to, I have, I have nine and a half more years to pay you this money. But you want it from me now in five days. And you will declare me bankrupt if I can't give it to you in five days. To me, the thing was ridiculous. So I go to the bank to ask Derek, Derek, let me ask you something about the loan. Derek, let me ask you something. Yes. Derek, Derek, let me ask you something about the loan. Was it an interest-only uh-huh. loan? What kind of what type? Was it shares? What kind of loan was it, essentially? Besides being a personal loan. It was a simple mm-hmm. loan like anybody else got at the bank for take out one loan. They give five years to pay it off, ten years to pay it off, whatever. I was the sole mm-hmm. owner of the airline. There was not another person that I approached who was brave enough to come in with me. And I tell you what they all told me, Derek, you started. And if it worked, we are joining. And I said, each of them, well, that makes no sense because if it worked, why would I come back to you? So this is a single mm-hmm. loan to me. I, I forget now, I think it was like maybe $2,000 a month. Some, I can't remember exactly what was the payment, but it was, I, I had these monthly payments for 10 years to pay off this loan. I was in month six. It was the sixth month into the loan when I got this demand letter demanding the total loan in five days or or I would be declared bankrupt. Now, Hubert, I am not an attorney. I am certainly no constitutional expert. But it, 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 the, the, thing, the thing was almost like a joke because how in my, in my unprofessional mind, how can somebody, how can a bank who has a client that has religiously, in the first six months of a 10-year loan program, has met his loan obligations to the bank, how can that same bank seek to declare that person a bankrupt? When, if you declare me bankrupt, how will I pay you? Because bankrupt means, to my mind, to my mind and back then and now, meaning you do not have money, you're bankrupt. So how can a bank 
and this is my non-legal mind thinking back then, come to me, where, I, where they pay your money on time, come to me and tell me, well, I want all I know in a five days, or else, if you can't give me in a five days, highly, I will highly, go highly to the court and, and declare you bankrupt. And I'm saying to myself, but if you do that to me, how you want to get your breast of the money? Because it is a, it's money. Derek, let me ask you this. It's, yes. Did you have any legal representation at the time? Who were they? Yeah, okay. I didn't have legal representation at the time when I, did, when I get the letter and when I gone to the bank for I said, well, what does this mean and so? Um, I got mm-hmm. legal representation through my good friend, um, Hubert Elrington, when the thing got done, when it was clear that, guess what? Then people going for, for your juggler. That, that is seat. It's not money that they want. It's your seat in the National Assembly that they want. That's when Mr. Golson and Hubert Ellington came into the picture and tried to battle it on legal grounds. But my brother, let me tell you something. And they did an excellent job. And they did it for free. You understand? They did an excellent job and they did it for free. But like I told somebody the other day, I could have gotten some of the greatest lords out of the UK, if that's the way you're calling it, top lawyers. And so I could have gotten a whole mm. contingent of attorneys from all over the world to fight the Belize Bank and the PUPs and the UDP. But you know something? The end result would have been the same. You know why? And I make no apologies for what I'm going to say because it's the, it's the truth. Because the executive at the time intimidated colluded with, I, I, can't, I, I don't know what strategy was used, but I am telling you, the judiciary mm-hmm. was instructed to make sure that they ruled, that they declared a bankruptcy ruling, because if the judiciary had not done that, then their exercise and everything that they had done would have been in futility. And they, they were not about to lose the battle to get me out of the house. I remember, and I, I don't want, somebody got upset with me back then when I described what I saw in the courtroom. They thought that I was being disrespectful for the judge. I didn't know the judge had a medical condition. I just know that the judge, I won't even call his name now, when he read that bankruptcy order that day in court, that man was shaking from head to toe. That man shook even the paper, the judgment in his hands. He couldn't hold firmness because he was shaking, 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 shaking. No. From where I stood, not knowing that he had a medical condition that made him shake, from where I stood, I was interpreting his shaking as because he knew what he was doing was wrong. He knew what he was doing was contrary to the law. It was con- I, have had, I have since had a constitutional attorney reviewed the Belize Constitution and was able to show me where what they did to you there was unconstitutional. Not only so not only was the executive wrong, not only was the opposition that I was a part of wrong to do what they did to me, not only was the bank wrong, but the judiciary was wrong because it was unconstitutional. So I'm saying that for those, because I've had people figure out, well, maybe Mr. Goose and Hubert never do any homework properly. My brother, they could have done all the homework under the heavens. I would have still been declared a bankrupt 
because I am convinced. I don't know what is the reason. And I won't make any disrespectful comment like what B. Cupid's made at the time on the radio. And I'm not knocking B. Cupid's. I, I, he has his free speech. He says what he wants. I would never have said it. And I would not say it today. But what I will say on categorically, it is clear to me that whatever the reasons are behind why Mr. Esquivel and Dean Barrows, Said Musa and George Price, and together with their respective parties, whatever the reason they are supporting, have supported the Marta Ayers bill, passed it, are now pushing down our throats, because that's what they're doing. It is diplomatic psychology mm-hmm. that they're using. You hear what I'm telling you? But what those two parties are doing, they are trying every trick in the book, every strategy to force an ICJ encounter on the Guatemalan claim down the throats of Belizeans. We're not, we're not, you're not one referendum where we're supposed to want it. We're not, also, we're not, but trust me, every opportunity they get, you hear, well, that's what we want. That's what, if you're enlightened and if you're educated and, and, and you have a legal mind, you will know that this is what we want. So in other words, anybody with against the ICJ, we fool fool, we're mm. stupid, we're not patriotic, we, we don't want the best for these. All of these enlightened leaders, the same one we give with seas in the south under the maritime areas bill. They same one today. Well, put it down with truth like they did with the maritime areas bill and take us to the ICJ. Now I say that to say this that it's the first time when when the when the when the request came when the demand came to pay the money in five days, I didn't have a penny. I operate one airline. I, I mean, my back against the wall. How I come while there were those who, like me, never have cash, forgive, but came to the, I will never forget, God rest his soul, the first person, when the news broke that afternoon on the radio, that Derek Hickman was declared, um, I, no, that this, this letter, this demand letter has come, and if you if don't get the money in five days, he will be declared a bankrupt by the government and the bank. The first person to call me that day, God, this is what was Donnie Ware. The man used to own Bell Cove Hotel mm-hmm. on the river there. Danny said, Derek, this is the worst political maneuvering I have seen in my life. He said, I don't have no cash, but here, take the papers. I read the key name I own. Um, there's a key. He owns a key, a big key out there somewhere. I can't remember the name of the key right now, but he said, take the papers for the key. Take the papers for the hotel. Take the papers for some acres of acres, acres of land on the riverside by the, on the Hollowover um, Creek. He said, this is about $4 million right here in real estate. They're carried at the bank. I took it to the bank. The bank rejected it. Now, check this out. One bank, let's say you want $250,000. Somebody who has mm-hmm. collateral up to four million dollars in real estate, and give them title for say, hold this as security for this man, and the bank said we don't want it, we don't take it, and every other person after that, whose name I would not want to call, came forward with their house and lot. You hear me telling you, just house and lot. 
Mm. Just one leave beachfront here, one next beachfront here, whatever. They leave farm up the road. By the t- when we added the estimated collateral of everybody that came forward in those five days, we came up with somewhere around $10 million dollars in real estate. And the bank rejected every piece of collateral. They sent them right through the Belize Bank door at Market Square. They are entitled. You understand? Well, mm-hmm. my brother, mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what ended up. Long story short, the, the, the man declared me a bankrupt. And so I had to vacate so my seat we, in the house. But okay, let me just... I mean, that's just the simple that's the the end of it. Sorry? Okay, but I want to ask you something right there, Derek. Um, yes, yes, so sure, they didn't want to take any money after this. They didn't want to take any money after the, the $2,000 anymore after the default judgment or anything. They just wanted everything. No more payments, nothing. Give us all or nothing. It, it, was, a, it, was, a, it was a demand letter, um, Hubert. If, if you have any, any um, reference to demand letter, it, it basically says similar. It, it, it's a case where you, you've got a loan, but usually when a bank puts in a demand notice on somebody, it's for somebody who is not fulfilling their loan obligations. You understand? And mm-hmm. what, they seek, mm-hmm. what they seek to do at the time, what they seek to do at the time is collect on the, whatever security is there on the loan, they seek to collect. But I'm glad you brought, Hubert, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm, I'm, I'm missing, that there's a piece of the puzzle that I'm forgetting here. So while, while the initial loan was $250,000, which is what the, 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 the guarantor signed for, because the airline was now operating, we were now selling tickets. Daily revenues were being deposited into the Belize Bank from our sales office on Albert Street as well as to a bank in Miami from the sales in Miami. Belize Bank locally, seeing the strength of our, of our deposits every day, allowed, allowed the account to go into overdraft as they do with many businesses. So you, you, you have a signed agreement, but they allow you to go over the limit because they see that you're worth the, 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 the revenues by base of what you're depositing every day. So when they, when they sent the demand letter, the demand, they, they were demanding the guaranteed amount, which was 250000 But at that time, if I'm not mistaken, the overdraft on their account was maybe about three over 300,000, or maybe close to 400,000. Mm-hmm. So what I want people to understand here is this. So the demand letter was to, was to demand this money that they knew if I couldn't pay it, at least they would then force the guarantor to have to give up the $250,000 because that's what they had guaranteed. You understand? And so they knew that what mm-hmm. I would be responsible for was the overdraft was the limit on the account beyond the 250 that was secured by the guarantor, for which the bank had no guarantee, just there allowing me. I could not have gone to the limit I went if the bank hadn't allowed me, allowed me or not. But the bank allowed it because mm-hmm. they were confident and comfortable with the sales that we were depositing every day at the bank. You understand? But it didn't mean, I mean, you, everybody has an operational account. You know what it's like. So on the day when the letter, when the demand came, it was not just the 250, but I, what they also were demanding was the extent 
beyond the 250, which was not guaranteed by anybody. Um, that's what they were demanding at the same time. So it was, if I was to try and the guarantor to not have to put the money out of their pockets for what they had signed for, I, and that's what I sought to get, I sought to get um, collateral and, and the finances to back the 250 plus the 100 and something, I think that we had gone, the bank had allowed us to go beyond the 250 limit that was guaranteed by this person. So I, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted, I, I had forgotten that aspect of it. Okay? So, so we are... Who was the judge in the case? So who was the judge that... Well, I want to know who was the okay, judge. Okay, yeah. That, that I guess it's okay to call the name. It, it was a gentleman, as I said, he's, he's now passed. He passed not very long. He passed not very long after that same whole incident took place in court. Um, but he was ill. And I, I apologize back then. I didn't know he was ill when I made the reference in the interview, that the man was shaking from head to toe, you know, his name is was Ponambulam. Um, I don't, I don't remember the first name, but his last name was Ponambulam. But apparently, he was ill mm. with some disease that does cause it to shake. I didn't know that, and I did make reference in an interview the night, the night after the judgment when I was interviewed. I made reference in trying to show that this whole thing was a collusion, and that it included even the judiciary. I made reference to the fact that the man was, he was so nervous knowing he was doing something wrong. He was shaking so bad he couldn't even hold the judgment in his hand. And then somebody corrected me and said, this man is sick. He, he has a condition that makes him shake. And I, want, I apologize then to the family. And I apologize again. No, you know, but um, yeah, so that's, that's the case. So I lost my seat in the house. Um, they had a by-election 30 days after that. Of course, the UDP put up um, my good friend, Howell Longsworth, and of course, he went against the formidable Jorge Espat. And one thing you know about these mm -hmm. Espat brothers, these Espat brothers are organized. And, and let me tell you, part of the UDP's problem, I'm convinced, all this time that they have been fighting George Price and the PUP, they, have n they had never, they had never, I am convinced, put in place the kind of organization and diligence and hard work that it would require to unseat the PUP. Because let me tell you, whatever you may say about the PUP, one thing they are, by virtue of the historical prominence they've had in politics and in leading this country and being the only government Belize had for 30 years, almost before it, they had a change of government, they mastered, they mastered the organization. In fact, they mastered it to the point where they sought to steal the elections of 84. I mean, those, they sent their top lawyers to court to front for George Price's freedom division that they knew they had padded with illegal votes. But that's how diligent the UDP had become, you see. But, and I think the UDP, and that's what happened to them in 79. The UDPs were, they, they were riding people's momentum in 79. They knew they had the people's support behind them but they never sat down to check their change in the pocket. There's a, Michael Finnegan likes to use the term, something about check the change in your pocket or something, the market or something like that. The, the, the UDPs in 79, they lost because they ignored the fundamental requirement of winning an election, and that is organization, bringing out the vote, you see. So even mm -hmm. where the nation was riding a UDP wave, time for a change. I mean, I, I came in that morning from the airport. The, the 
customs officers, the immigration officers, like they never care. You shouldn't, as a civil servant or a public servant, you shouldn't be showing any kind of partisan political um, manifestation. But they did not care. Then they put up their V sign. Time for a change. Victory. I mean, look, man, you, you could have tasted victory in the air on election day in Belize 1979. And history has said otherwise. They lost. In fact, they lost worse than they did previously because of organization. Unethical and dishonest organization, but organization nonetheless. But we come up with what? Disappearing ink. We come up with all kinds of nonsense and mm-hmm. refuse to analyze the fun way how you lost it. So the PUPs, in my opinion, in my opinion, PUPs, when it comes to organization, until the UDPs prove otherwise to me, will always be a superior party when it comes to organization, political organization. They may not have the right philosophy and they may do the wrong things, but when it comes to the organizations that are politics, they know how to execute it. You hear what I'm telling you? And I believe I think the UDP has come a long way. Let, 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 let me say that. The UDP has come a long way. But but they they've got, starting with eighty nine, but what ushered a lot of the UDP's victory in nineteen eighty starting with eighty four, I'm sorry. But what ushered a lot of the UDP's victory in eighty four was because just like that wave in seventy nine it was an anti-PUP wave. People were upset about the heads of agreement. People were upset that George Price took us into independence in a state of emergency. I mean, even PUPs were upset with the PUPs in 1984. You see? So it's mm-hmm. not so much that the political organization had, had maximized by in 84, but it had improved, and then you had the anti-PUP wave that ushered people in. But I know if I never do the kind of organization in free talk, no way if they bring me in free talk, I would have lost. Because the same number of votes when they put on it illegally, where I had to fight to take off, that's the same amount of votes that I beat George Christ by. So that in itself proves the strategy that the PUPs can calculatingly orchestrate in their politics. You understand? But let's get back now to the bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I lose the seat. No, but Derek, before, um, we get into, before we get into the bankruptcy, I want you to tell our listeners how you, you said that the, the, the collusion between the PUP and UDP, but you didn't, I, I think maybe you need to be more clear in how that collusion yes. actually occurred. Well, let me, let me tell you this. I, I can save Belizeans and even myself right now a whole lot of storytelling and account giving. When I say story, I don't mean story lie. I mean telling the story itself. Because the PUPs, if if you put the PUPs on the spot right now, they will deny that there was any collusion against the recruitment. All what I'm telling you is all in my head. It, it, It didn't happen. If you talk to the leadership of the UDPs, they will tell you the same thing. This was a strict commercial thing. <laughs> okay. Well, let me tell you something. I will share publicly for the first time in my life. The own, there are only two people, three, three people, who know this that I'm about to disclose. My wife knows it. That same employee who used to deposit my payments to the bank, mm-hmm. that employee who who was terminated 
by the Belize Bank, that employee and an attorney who's a good friend of mine whose name I'm not going to call right now. I have mm-hmm. said it to nobody. In Dallas earlier this year, in early the third week of February, I was invited to address a conference of Christian presidents and CEOs of, of companies. And for the first time, I even told publicly this whole bankruptcy story because I'm not going to lie to you, Hubert. I felt like my whole world collapsed around that time. I mean, because people didn't understand what happened, the, the stigma of bankruptcy was on me. I lost, I lost my right to be a voter in my own country. I couldn't borrow. I couldn't borrow any money from any bank to do anything with. If I borrowed any more than $100 as a bankrupt, I could go to jail. You hear what I'm telling you? You have no idea mm-hmm. how debased what was done to me caused me. And the only thing I regret, there's one regret that I have, and I don't live with regrets. The one regret that I have is that I allowed what was done to me to get the better of me and to send me into a period of silence. I, mm-hmm. I regret, I regret that I wasn't valiant enough when it was all said and done to look, to look the oppressors, because this is oppression of the highest order, to, to look the oppressors mm-hmm. in the face and say, okay, you got me out of the house with your unethical, immoral conduct. And I talk church here, please remember that. But guess what? I still have my breath. I have my strength. I have my life. I got my mouth, God give me. And if you think you want to silence me, I will continue to wage war on this maritime area's building. But I think, I think the fact that the bill ended up passing anyway had a lot to do with it. Because I figure, well, how how I even try to change it? No, it doesn't pass. And it looks like they were able to convince people to just accept it and then go along with it. And 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 so, so I, I I went into a state of of disillusionment. I I, I became I'll be honest with you. I I be I speak honestly. I became disillusioned because in a way how long did you I, felt, I felt my own country had let me down because here I was. I went to bat to start an airline to help Belize's tourism. I went to bat to stand up against a bill that I know is still detrimental and is causing, I mean, such, such a problem in this whole Guatemala thing, and I'll speak to that at some other time. And to ha- I just felt betrayed by Belize, that Belize stood by, in my own little mind back then, it's as though Belize stood by and watched their young warrior who went to fight for them, man, believe to try and watch them chop me at the very root and just threw me out with the bathwater. You know, I, 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 I went through some stuff. You know, and, 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 and I had a liar. Every time it was voting time, and my wife and I, we always go to vote together. I would go with her to the polling station. I would drive, and she goes to vote, and I would have to stay in the car. 
while my wife could vote because I couldn't vote because of this bankruptcy thing. And that's why I identify with the but dancer right now. Yes. Um, regarding the Martinez acting, because I, I, my study of it, and I want you to clarify, I don't know, you know, there was some addendum which was Annex F, which said that there had to be a referendum before they could enact it. Are you telling that they bypass all that and enact it anyway? Listen to me. What, what that addendum or annex speaks of, and a lot of people don't understand this, it is saying that it is law. It, it, the thing is law. It is law right now. Whether you like it or not, it is law. We no longer, right now under the law, we can't claim the territorial seas in the south of the median line because we pass one law. We say it belongs to Guatemala once they pass the three mile limit. So, believers, make no mistake about Let no politician, no lawyer run up over your head to tell you otherwise. It, as of right now, and as from the time it was passed in the house, we not got it. No. What they did to, to ease the poison down your throat was to say that at the time any final settlement is put in a referendum on the Guatemalan question, that they would then put back for, on, on the, as part of the referendum they would then put the maritime areas question in the referendum. And if at that time the voters rejected the maritime areas bill, then they would go back and repeal the law and take back the seas. You hear me? I'll have to happen, forget it back, Belizeans. Understand clearly what is being done. Understand clearly what is being done. Anybody that tells you the maritime areas build up in effect, it is wrong. It's, that is not true. Okay? The bill has been gazetted. It has been passed. It has been gazetted. It is law. We know right now, if we've got a court, we can't claim their seats because it is. We pass on us and we give it to Guatemala. No. For try and help, to try and help with the subterfuge, as Mr. Goldsmith used to always like that term, they did put in there that says when a final settlement is put in referendum to Belizeans to accept or not accept with Guatemala, they will put the whole provisions of the Maritime Mayor's Bill as part of that referendum, and if Belizeans reject it then, then we're going back and repealing the bill and take back the seas. But what I want Belizeans to understand, what will happen? What will happen if there is never a referendum Belizeans? What, have you stopped to think what is going to happen if there is never a referendum? And right now, I'm a serious moving towards no referendum. What is going to happen mm-hmm. if they go to the ICG without a referendum? What will happen, believe me? How you get back your seeds when they promise you? How the, no, and this, this includes one of the parties at least, and again, I have to be brutal, the PUP never promised that they were repeal no bill that a UDP promise that if Mr. Golson joined the coalition and the coalition would become the government in 93, that the UDP never may wait for no referendum down no road. They may want to repeal the bill on their own merit and take back the seas for Belize.
but history has proven them in this regard to be dishonest. They lied to Mr. Goldson, and I told Mr. Goldson they will not repeal any bill. But Philip always, you know, I, I, you have to give him credit. He, he believed that man would do the right thing. He believed that he would do the right thing. And history demanded a grave and shamelessly, shamefully, they still have not done the right thing. They can do it now. They can do it now. There's nothing to stop them from honoring the long last failed promise to Mr. Goldsmith. They can do it now because they've got the power to do it. You understand? And the same way, I don't understand uh -huh. the of good. And the same way, if it is that the, the constitution requirement would be that they need more than the, than the 16 people that, is in the, that forms the government right now, well, then go back. The same way, if given the call to we want, we support the PUP thing, which turned out really not to be the PUP thing, the same way now, they could go back and try to co opt some PUP members to get whatever majority, if that's what's needed beyond what the UDP has in the house right now, they can go and try to co opt the same PUPs and ask them to stand with them to repeal the maritime areas bill. Yes, sir, they can do it. They go to the house 3 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, for pass all kind of bill, for enforce all kind of laws in a 24 hours. You understand? So if they want to do it, mm -hmm. yes, they can do it. They have proven to us they go and they do it over and over and over, all kind of late hurry up meetings to take over BDL, to take over this, to take over that. They can do it. But I am here to provoke Belizeans to accept once and for all they do not mean to do it. And they mean to take us they mean to take us to the ICJ with those waters still owned by Guatemala. And all I am here to say today, prove me wrong, gentlemen, prove me to be a liar today and go to the house next week, call my session midnight and repeal the Martin Ares bill and make Derrick Hickman a liar once and for all. Okay? But I will say this. Until you do it, until you do it, the facts of history must speak for itself that you have done everything possible to show us that you have no intentions of doing it. You understand? So mm -hmm. let's get back now. Let's get back mm -hmm. to the revelation. Okay. I don't know if the PUP leadership or the UDP leadership is aware that, and I have to put on my thinking cap here, I, I, we're now in 2014, uh, this must have been, I know it was after 2000, it was after 2000, I'm sure, yeah, I'm no, thinking no, maybe, I'm thinking, no, 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 no. I'm thinking maybe like around 2013, wait, wait, sorry, 2003, sorry, 2003, thereabouts. I, I, I could be wrong with the year. I really have to check a letter, and it's a letter that will answer the, 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 the doubt quickly. To my surprise, and I want Belizeans to understand, if you thought they had forgotten and had left me alone, Belize Bank, <laughs> I'm not here to crusade against them, despite what they did. But people need to understand, they, 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 they. I don't even know the, the word to find. The, 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 the vile conduct of the Belize Bank is what comes to my mind. If you think the Belize Bank 
had stopped there. Now, here is a case where obviously it's not money that they wanted. They wanted my seat in the house. But when I got employed, mm-hmm. and that's why I know it was, it was up to 20000 that I had this, this thing happen to me. Dean Barrow in, in 1998 came and asked if I could put bygones, bygones, and come back and run for the UDP. They would fix the bankruptcy thing in the house. They, they want to do something, and I am not a legal man, they want to do something to allow you to run again, even though you're a bankrupt. So when he came to talk to me, I was a bankrupt still. Can't vote, can't do nothing. It's 1998. In 1998, when the elections, mm-hmm. the elections of 1998. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. He came, mm-hmm. I was at the time, I was at the time the city manager at, at, at city council. PUP was in the city council at the time, and I had been hired as city manager under the intervention or through the intervention, and, and it's no secret, um, because the UPs were not about to hire me when I applied. They, they put my application on one side, um, and Hubert, who was the Minister of Local Government at, at the time, said to them, listen, this man is not qualified. You, you, you're going to give him a chance. Not because you see him as UDP needs, you're not going to hire him. Anyway, so I got the job at, at City Hall, mm-hmm. and I was still in my job as City Manager in '98 when I was approached, I was told that, um, you know, um, the party, the party need you know, need me now. And, and in all honesty, in all honesty, Dean Barrow, he, 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 he did not, well, maybe it's because he, everybody, you know, every, everybody may know that the condition the party was in, but he, he didn't paint any illusions to me. He said, Derek, we, we, we won't lose the election in 98. We, we are going, in fact, I'll tell you something, I'll tell you even more. He went as far as saying we are only going to win five or six seats. So the man was prophetic because I think they ended up only winning five or six seats in 1998. They went from their strong mm-hmm. their, their whatever majority they had to only five or six seats. And in all fairness, I want to recognize the fact that when he came to me, that's exactly the landscape that he painted to me. Derek, we're going to lose. We are only winning five or six seats. But party after the defeat will need restructuring and will need reorganization. And you are the person who could do it. I want to ask you for call and run. I want to ask you, win, lose, or draw after the elections for accepting one paying job, a paying job from the UDP as national party organizer to organize this party from east to south, east to west. I will pay you X amount of dollars a month. I will provide you with a vehicle to run the countryside. And Derek, you could get this party together. You could restructure this party, got the party in the in others. Boy, I'll tell you something. I have not listened to my wife on a number of occasions that I have, that I have lived to, to regret. My wife told me, Derek, don't you do it. Don't you make the mistake and do it. But, but, Hubert, I try to be a Christian. I don't know, I'm I, I, I probably not the best Christian by any means, but I try, I try. We all try. And mm-hmm. one of the things, mm-hmm. one of the things the Bible tells us, you have to forgive. And with all that they did to me, with the bankruptcy and everything, Hubert, I still 
I prayed, and I said, good Lord, where for the, where for the, where for the. But you see, I am always driven by the passion to serve Belize. I am somebody that believes Belize can be the best country in the world. I think we have the best people in the world. I think we can be number one in the world. We only need the right leadership, man, to pull us together. We can uh-huh. be number one. I so agree. Always, I, agree I am always erring on the side of hope. On the side of that, things can get better. The worst leadership. Indeed, you know, indeed, I agree with that. So, so mm-hmm. I, 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 I basically disobeyed my wife. Went against my wife's plea. She pleaded with Derek. What makes you think you can trust these people? After what they did to Derek, how can you ever trust them again? Boy, and I, I. I did not listen to my wife. I trusted. I trusted. I resigned my good job at the city council. <laughs> my good job that I was providing for my family. I resigned. I ran. I mean, they went to the house and did that. Some legal person will have to tell them what they did. I still don't know where they do, but they, overnight they make something where I could have run again. All of a sudden, the bankrupt is good to run. Anyway... Mm-hmm. So I, I, I run, we all lose, we all lose, and get a hold of what they will do to me next. The same man who told me, if we lose, you are guaranteed the position as National Party organizer. You'll be paid, I was called the figure now, you'll be paid $5,000 a month. And you'll be given a vehicle to go organize the UDP. Now here I am thinking, well, God, guess what? I am okay about lose no election. I am driven by the hope that we could get one party now from the ground up, build one good party, put good, a good constitution in place, build structures that will last this party for a lifetime. That is where, where, what drove me. Well, let me tell you something, Belize, and that same man that my wife warned me not to trust again, that same man about a month after we lost the elections in, in 98, said to me right in his office at the law firm there on, on Albert Street, why, Derek, that thing where I'm a promise before the elections, why I can't do that again, you know, because I have to start wave radio. I have to start this, that, so why I can't handle that again. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, I resigned my job on the promise that I was guaranteed a job after the elections that they had asked me to run in win-lose Ertra. And I was here uh-huh. two months after the defeat with that same man telling me, he not got no job for me. He not got no $5,000 a month for me. He not got no vehicle for me. He can't do what he promised me. It was right after we had had some hurricane or some tropical, some, the place was flooded. I remember this very, very well. Listen to me now. I sat in that law firm office. I felt my world collapsing under me again because this time now, this time now, I have got to go home to a wife and three picking in a school. When they warn me, no for trust a man. No for trust a party. 
Derek, what else do they need to do to you for you to not trust them? I had to now go home to that same wife where I never listened to and tell her, darling, that job where I get promised for support, you know, and feed, you know, and send victims to school, the same man will promise it to me. Just tell me, he can't do that. Boy, you have no idea. You have no idea. I wanted to go on record. I wanted to go on record that I didn't even have any fact because while I was working for the city council, I said the manager, I had a vehicle that belonged to the city council. I had to give up that vehicle when I resigned my position on the promise that I will have a job after the vehicle and even if we lose. So here I am without a vehicle. And I'm being told, you know, no one get one, you know, and get the job when we promise you. So oh, here I have to make a right for before you get there. I have to yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. No, I let, let me finish. Because this this will end this will end the chapter, trust me, right here. So I have to beg a ride okay. home. I had to beg a ride home that night from the person who had just told me the job is. There's no job. When I got to my gate, it was flooded. You know where the person dropped me? On the roadside. There was a driveway where I me drive in through the flood and put me at least close mm-hmm. to the door and never to wet up my foot. But no, I was put on the side of the road. I had to roll up my pants, take off my shoes, and walk through the flood water right. to my door. So here I am now, like fisherman, pants, shoes in a hand, <laughs> pants rolled up. Pants rolled up. Just walked through the water where I know I had a lot of fish in there, trust me. So I felt like a fisherman. And knocked on one door for face for a wife. And three people tell me, your daddy, your pop, was such a damn jackass to not have listened to your mother. And so I come home to you all tonight not knowing how I am going to support you all. The UDP did it to me again, Hubert. Do you hear what I'm telling you? I stayed at home uh-huh. in a state of depression. I'm not a liar. You could ask my wife. For almost a year and a half, I never know who come out of my house because I slipped into such a clinical state of depression. Do you hear? That my wife had to carry my family because everywhere I turned to try to get a job, the UDP hit me, and the PUP didn't hit me. I can't get no job, no way. You understand? And for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. the loan, they may have done whatever they did in the National Assembly for make a run, but as for all intents and purposes, the money is still owed to the Belize Bank. So I am still, for all intents and purposes, a damn bankrupt. You understand? My brother, mm-hmm. I, I suffered in ways people will never understand. You know what it is like to not have money in your pocket for get one here. You hear what I'm telling you? You know, they like to have to ask your mm-hmm. wife mm-hmm. for money for go cut your hair because 
everything that you had secured, savings, and so gone. Long, long, long time. <laughs> and, but it is so funny. God has a way, I tell you, it is so amazing. You know, you know who came to my rescue? Who came to my rescue and offered me a job after a year and a half of unemployment and depression? Joy Godfrey, the wife of Glenn Godfrey. The same Glenn Godfrey who at the time of the bankruptcy played a part in the whole collusion to get me declared bankrupt. You understand what I'm telling you? And so I don't mm-hmm. see nonsense anymore and their political divisiveness between the two parties. I will publicly say that it was not for Joy Godfrey from the last day, whatever they say, say Belize Offshore Center. I never made enough money for, for, for feed my picnic and, 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 and my wife. At least for a year. I was only employed there for a year, and that's when I started my own company. You understand? And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, during, during that time, I will make no other neither. I had some very good conversations and relations with Said Musa and Ralph Bonsega. I, I, I will say, you know, I mean, the point I'm making here is that if you really want to put this thing raw out there for the world, see this thing with the veins and the sinews and the muscles and everything exposed, if you cut the flesh right open and get right down to the bone, at the end of the day, the PUPs, because everybody know where they got the first son. So when you get right down to it, the PUPs were the ones to show me compassion in my time of need. You hear what I'm telling you? And I am no ungrateful person. I am no ungrateful person. So I want the world to know right now, if they never know it before, who, they, they may have seen me working, but they never understand the circumstances. You understand? I had to tell you that it was Joy Godfrey the wife of Glenn Godfrey, who offered me a job and took me out of my depression and made me feel like a man again where could earn and support my family because the UDPs chewed me up a second time and spit me out and left me for dead. You hear what I'm telling you? No, but let's get to the revelation now that will shock everybody. Because the UDPs continue to deny it and the PUPs continue to deny it. Evan Hyde, though, I must, I must, and I don't know what motivates Evan, but every so often, Evan writes in that editorial when he writes about the PUDP, he always reminds Belizeans of the collusion of those two parties to have done what they did to Derek Hitman. But you notice, nobody has come out publicly to deny it, you know, they just deny it in close quarters. But neither the PUP or the UDP has ever come out and categorically stated that they had no part and parcel of that terrible, awful, whatever you call it. I don't even know what, what to call it anymore. But here let me now, this, Gary. Okay. Let me, wait, Hubert, Hubert. Go ahead. I've, go ahead. I've tried to get uh-huh. to this point several times, and, and I, keep, I keep, can't get into it. Now, so okay, make your point, my brother. Yeah, sometime in, I, I got the job, from Joy Godfrey in, in the year 2000. And just to show you the vile nature of the Belize Bank, the minute I got the job, one Osborne, forget his first name, um, is it Osborne? Or anyway, some white man from England where they have the, at the, had there at the time as, as the head of the bank, Phil, 
Phil Osborne is his name. Wrote me a letter. I'm thinking the bank named nowhere there anymore. Wrote me a letter telling me that they are aware that I now have a job and demanded the money for the bank. <laughs> Once you again. Well, my brother, listen to me. By this time, I had suffered enough times where I don't have money for you to pay for my haircut. I have suffered enough times when for everything I need, if I need more ice cream, I have to go to my wife right I don't got no money. Well, let me tell you something. The hard knocks of life is sometimes the best teacher. When I got that money from that son of a, that letter from that son of a gun wanting Three hundred thousand whatever dollars for the Belize Bank, because keep in mind now the guarantor had to pay them their two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So they got their two hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So what is left now is the amount beyond the guaranteed amount of on the overdraft. That's what they're now writing for me to come pay them because I know of a job. Well, I went to the Belize Bank and I sat across that Englishman. And I told him to his face, I said, let me tell you something. I want you to understand something and understand it good. You, all of a sudden, the money you want, you could have had security a million times $300,000. You refused every bit of it. You didn't want, I was paying you my money. I was paying you your loan. You didn't want the money. You wanted my seat. And guess what? You got my seat. So I am here to tell you, this letter we send me, you could tear it up because I am here to tell you and the Belize Bank, I don't got no more seat for the take in the house and you can't bankrupt me more than one time because once I bankrupt, I bankrupt you. If I still bankrupt, you can't bankrupt me again. Mm-hmm. So I am here to tell you, if I became the richest man on planet Earth, you hear what I told him, Hubert? If I became the richest man on planet Earth, you will die before this bank gets a penny from me. Because you, it wasn't about money. So if I become the wealthiest man on this world, wealthier than Michael Ashcroft himself, I am telling you to your face, do a want to lock up, come in a jail, take everything, whatever, but you're not getting a penny from Derek Edwin Leopold Aikman ever in this life. <laughs> When I walk, and I told him, I said, let me tell you something. And I, if he, if he, I will, tell, I will remind him what I told him. I said, let me tell you something. You think Ono powerful because Ono got this bank, Ono this multi-billionaire establishment, and Ono have succeeded to try to destroy me already. But let me tell you something. You will not destroy me because the God that I serve will hold me up and bear me up against all of your evils. You hear what I'm telling you? So you could take this letter and shove it. Mm-hmm. And I walked out of that bank. And let me tell you something. For the first time from 1992 when they did what they did to me, I felt a feeling of, of liberation. I felt a feeling of, 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 of triumph, of victory. Brought no hell, but I just told the giant to his face, you could drop dead, you're not getting a damn cent from me. You understand? You could write as much letter, you could carry me, you could do what you want. You ain't getting a penny. And I felt good for the first time about me for years after that. Do you hear what I'm telling you? No, it gets better than this. Mm-hmm. 
So that was that was after 2000. It was probably about two years after that. So somewhere like around maybe 2004. But like I said, I just need to go one letter that I have locked mm-hmm. away in me to, to, to verify this. Who do I who do I get a message from that wants to see me? None other than Lord Michael Ashcroft. When I went home and I told my wife, I get one call today for so and so, so and so. Michael Ashcroft sent a message, he wanted me. I tell my wife, well, let me tell you something. I will not give him the courtesy of being taking my presence in front of his face. It will not happen. And again, my wife said, Derek, and I feel the same way. At least go here where God said, you know, take nothing off of you. For go here where he the come out of the grave now all these years. He will finally one meet with you. He has never had any audience contact anything with you all during this whole saga. So I if you are curious for know where he won with you, I as a wife, I curious to know. Well, I resisted it for about a week. And then finally after she hopped, I said, okay. It was some English lady that made the call. Some, I don't remember who she was now. Somebody connected with the Fort George Hotel. And so I called up and said, okay, I will meet. And we met right in his home, right there. He has a house that, that there's a corridor that leads from the hotel into his home, right in front of it, the sea there, up, up at um, that area there. Probably one of the hardest encounters I've ever had to stoop in my life. Because in my opinion, I was stooping. I was stooping to the son of a man. Mm-hmm. But my wife, but my wife, I, I, I was going to honor her because, hell, after what I had put her through, if this was so important to her to know, at least let me go find out. So I could tell her, uh, end the damn thing. <coughs> I think that's the first time I probably met Michael Ashcroft in person. In person. Anyway. I got there, he was waiting, shook hands, sat me down. And this, Belizeans, this, Belizeans, is what Michael Ashcroft said to me. The only regret I have, I never thought <coughs> of taking a tape recorder because I had no idea, I, I, I just couldn't imagine what, what could this man want with me. I regret that I didn't take a tape recorder, but he, if he's a man, will know and admit to the truth that I'm going to speak right now. He said to me like this. <coughs> first of all, Derek, first, first of all, I want to thank you for, for, for coming here. For coming here. And I'll stop right there. I just want to try to sound like him, you know, British accent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said, but I want to draw the line. I want to draw a line in the sand between you and me. I'm repeating this because I want this to go down accurately, Hubert. I want, I've asked you here tonight because I want to draw a line in the sand between you and I. He said, I want to confess to you. I want to admit to you that what I allowed myself and the Belize Bank 
to get into with the government of the day and the opposition of the day was wrong. I will repeat it. I, Michael Ashcroft, want to admit and confess to you that what I allowed the Belize Bank to become a party to with the government of the day, which was the PUP government, and the opposition of the day, which was the UDP, my own party, was wrong. It had nothing to do with banking. It had only to do with politics and getting you expelled from the National Assembly. It was wrong of me to have allowed my bank to be drawn into that free. But Derek, it's done. I can't erase the past. I can only ask you to forgive me for allowing the bank to play the part it did in the conspiracy. And I am asking you to forgive me. And I am asking you to be my friend. To let bygones be bygones and draw this line in the sand. Well, let me tell you something. From he began his admission of guilt. I know the light, you know. The rage, the anger, the bitterness that rose up in me. I had to control myself. I know the light, you know. Christian me, I did tell you know. I had to control myself for punching that white man down. You hear what I'm telling you? <laughs> I had to control myself by slapping that up and put more Belizean sauce on him. You hear what I'm saying? But because I am telling you, the man in me, that's what I was wanting to do in that minute. But I sat there and I waited for him to finish. And let me tell you something. I tore into his backside. And I told him some of the same things I told Phil Johnson that day. Listen to me. If I become the richest man, I don't give you a penny. And I, look at man, I told Michael Ashcroft everything I ever wanted to tell him after what he did to me. You see? And in all, in all fairness to him, as I went off, and I can, anybody who knows me, I can go off. And I don't lie to one of these hands. I cost bad water and all. You hear what I tell you? I cost him. Nothing ever left why I cost him. That's the only thing I could have done in that moment to try to pay back for all that he had done to me. And that man, his wisdom or his, whatever you want to call it, his control, and he let me rant and rave. And I said to him, when I don't rant and rave, I said, and guess what, you think I'm a jackass? I say, for all intents and purposes, my debt is still on the books at the bank. There is still an account at Belize Bank under the name of Belize Transier with me as the president that owes you the difference between what the guarantor paid and what was allowed to go into overdraft. I said, and by now, with interest, that surely told me that must be millions. By now, I said, years later, would it talk? I said, so with interest, would it talk millions? I said, guess what? I know to pay that. 
I will never pay, and so I will always remain a bankrupt. So you just tell me crap what you want to draw a line in the sand and be bikers and bikers and be my friend and confess all what to do to me. I say, but yet, you still got one loose wrong me, Nick. Because the same way as I get a job that the Belize Offshore Center Phil Johnson right while I pay the money, then we'll stop it in the future when it's convenient to you with a debt that is still on the books for one demand the same debt, even though it's 20 years. I said, so you, 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 you tell me one thing with your mouth, but the conditions under which I come here tonight, that as I sit before you, has not changed. I am still under your control. I'm only one demand letter away from the money that is on that record at your bank. Well, I don't think he be prepared for that. I don't think he be think that far. And this is going to be the shocking thing now that will shock all the Asians. You know what that man said to me? Calmly, 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 calmly. I did, I did lose control. I gone off. I was a crazy man. And all that man said to me, Derek, I'll take care of it tomorrow. I'll take care of it tomorrow. And I got up out of there, did not shake his hand, and I walked out of that residency on the foreshore. Sure. And in my mind, I ain't coming back. No, I'll never see you again. That's this the end of this. Well, let me tell you something, Belizeans. Eight o'clock the next morning. Eight o'clock the next morning. A letter from the Belize Bank was hand-delivered to me. It has two lines and two lines only. Signed by one Arkel Lizama. I don't even know if he's still at the Belize Bank. I, I think he may still be. Signed by one Arkel Lizama of the bank. And the line, I don't, have the letter, I don't have the letter in front of me, but I have rehearsed, I've read it so many times, I know it by heart. This, to infor, this is to inform the schools or whatever, make it known, whatever, that the indebtedness of Derek Aikman and Belize Transier at the Belize Bank has been satisfied in its fullest, and that Derek Aikman is, can, and, oh, and the, and the bankruptcy order that the bank holds over him can be lifted with immediate effect. You hear what I'm telling you? So mm-hmm. I have parents I believe where those in authority who the people entrust with authority can abuse that authority to the point where they destroy a person with the stroke of a pen and they believe they can restore a force a person with the stroke of a pen. That's the belief that I have had to endure. You hear what I'm telling you? So I have mm-hmm. that letter. Mm-hmm. There are three people, three people holding a copy of that letter for me. I don't have it myself because I just don't trust anybody anymore. But there are three people, if I ever were to die today, can produce that letter so that, oh no, no, I know the lie, oh no. I still don't know who signed it, what the letter said. I just can't remember the date, kind of a letter in front of me right now. You hear? And Michael Ashcroft, the billionaire, felt satisfied 
that the same way he helped to destroy me, because he had now moved on to a point where he wants forgiveness, he could just write a letter and wipe it all away. You understand? So, mm-hmm. this belief this that we are living in today, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. It's not the beliefs that you think you're living in. You think this Guatemalan thing is something to play with? It's nothing to play with. And I hope, I hope that I have demonstrated to you if... But, you know, this morning, Hubert, I, I, I'll be honest with you, and there will be those who will think that I'm being spiritual and all that. Well, that's fine. I make no apologies for being spiritual. But I'm telling you, this morning, knowing what you are going to have me cover on this show... I sat down reviewing, trying to get the details clear in my head. And I asked God again a question that I had asked him many, many, many times during this ordeal. I, 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 I said, God, why? Why you do this to me? You know my heart. You know I started this airline because I want Belize move to the top. You know how proud I felt when Belizean girls or flight attendants on that airline, when the guy from Yabram, they cook the rice and beans and things, I put it on the plane. I still have, I still have surveys filled out by Europeans who flew the airline, who said this is the best airline they've ever flown in the world. They couldn't believe the service because I am both excellent. So I designed the in-flight service for that airline, and it was second to none, even first-class service couldn't compete and compare to what we were giving in a whole airplane of coach. But what was I proud of? The wangla and the fudge and the tablet where they were going to get in and in plate. The shubins and the stew chicken where they were going to get in and in plate. And proud that we had a stake in the skies that we, Belize, could rise up just like Jamaica and all the other places where they boom because they got air Jamaica and they got all in the national airlines to to help them with those connections that they need to make tourism work for them. We don't have a demand. There's just cruise ship where they come when they walk on, cancel when they walk on, and airlines will cancel their flights when they walk, cancel it and so. You see, we couldn't have our own, the dictates, we own destiny in tourism and aviation history. So I ask God, how come with all of that, you know my heart, how you allow this happen to me? And this morning as I was preparing for this thing, I find myself repeating the same question again. And you know, for some reason, I know they tell you I hear no voice. All I could tell you one realization came over me that made me freeze in my tracks. Because a realization came over me and said, Derek, if this alternative didn't present itself, was not available to those who destroyed you or attempted to destroy you, if this provision of the airline, of the loan to the bank, if that was not there for them to conspire with, to use, to go the bankruptcy route to get you out of the house, have you ever stopped to think the extent to which they may have gone to remove you physically from Belize and from this life because it's obvious this Guatemala giving stuff 
giving peace and peace to Guatemala, obviously is their obsession. That is obviously their obsession, and they're hell-bent to take us to the ICJ where they damn well know they will get, they will get a piece of Belize. And let me tell you, I'm no judge. I am no judge, and I will never be on the ICJ bench. But logic, logic tells me that if I am sitting on a bench at the highest legal level in the world at the ICJ, adjudicating a case between two countries that have a dispute over territory, and they come to me with, on their law books, that they, on their own merit, gave to Guatemala territorial seas in the south of the country that, by law, they could have claimed. They chose not to claim it and to give it to Guatemala seas that are rich in oil. Time has proven that the seas are rich in oil, for heaven's sake, man. Now, you tell me, if I am an ICJ judge, what will prevent my legal mind as I craft a settlement between these two countries to go along the path and say, well, guess what? Belize really wants to solve this problem with Guatemala for true, true, true. Look to the extent to which they have gone on their own, they give up their territorial seas in the south of Guatemala. Because they want settlement with Guatemala. So it means, Mr. ICJ Judge, Belize will care upset with we if we say, well, guess what? Don't get any seas in the south. Well, guess what? Give us some more decide. Give us some more decide. Give a piece of land down the PG. Give a piece of Dangriga. And they go call me emotional all day long. I am telling you from where I sit in my legal ignorance, despite where all the learned attorneys they try to push down with truth that this is the only option we have. If we love Belize, we better go to the ICA so we understand. Well, I am here to, to at least provoke you today, Belizeans, at home or in the diaspora. What I am outlining to you, is it that illogical that a judge on the bench, having reviewed the fact that the country in itself is not going to any damn ICJ, the country on its own merit, on its own accord, gave up territory to Guatemala in an attempt to solve the problem? It means then that the country, by passing that Maritime Areas Bill, has set an international legal precedent that will tell the adjudicators at the ICJ, we are fine with giving up territory to them. We have done it already. We did it on our own. So you have carte blanche. You have carte blanche. Go ahead from us to continue the path that we have already started on our own to give them part of our territory. And we won't be upset because we did it by ourselves. So all of you out there, Belizeans, would be two same brains. Just for me, I have no better brain legally than none of you there. I don't know liar, I don't know constitutional nothing, but I got common sense, and more than common sense, I got one gift of discernment where God give me. You hear what I tell you? And every time I play back this maritime areas bill, every time I play back how it was 
it was deceptively brought to light to start with to make you all think it was the PUPs who did it. When it was not the PUPs who did it. When it was done by individuals in the cabinet, and we, the cabinet members, did not know that it was done. But yet it was done behind our back. We found out, and anybody who dares to challenge me wrong, I challenge them to come forward and say otherwise. We found out about it after the defeat in 89, when the PUPs were going to table it the Friday. We learned about it the first time that Monday night at King Street when the partida called us into a meeting and told us he wants us to support it. You understand? So if I became just God's sacrificial lamb, so I have had to go the bankruptcy route, the conspiracy to be, to, be, to be expelled from the party, to be, to be um, booted out of the house on this bankruptcy thing and so to let it come full circle now to expose the whole damn thing. I see why they lied to Mr. I am telling you why they will not, despite my challenge on this radio today, they will not repeal that bit. Because I believe, and this is where I'm going to step into dangerous territory because I don't have proof, but my instincts tell me based on their behavior. Some commitment has been made somewhere by somebody that they cannot turn back from. And so their only salvation is to give Belize Kool-Aid to drink, to let them go to the ICJ, to finish off what they well know will happen when they go to the ICJ, to satisfy Guatemala's quest for peace hey, Derek, territory. Derek, yes. Derek, Derek, I'm going to get up we're going to have to leave it there, my brother. Um, okay. We're out of time. Okay, sorry. We're out sorry. of time. Um, I want to thank you, brother, for... Um, when I get back to the States, we'll talk some more. I mean, you know, but... Um, okay, sure. I want to thank you so far for what you've... For, I want to thank you for the um, your honesty and your and your, and your commitment to, tell, to sharing privileged information with us and to let us... to let the Belizean people know that, uh, you know, that they're... That the kind of... Uh, monster, if you will, that they're dealing with that has this country going in that direction that it's going. In any event, you were listening to Honorable Derek Aikman, and um, he was gracious enough to come on with me. This is the third installment. Hopefully, um, we got more than we, more than we bargained for from this brother. He, you know, he, he really laid it out for us, and I'm, I'm very happy that I was the, the vehicle that could let Belizeans know some of the things that go on. I want to tell everybody to have a wonderful Saturday and do the right thing. Mm-hmm.